Hot round! Red 7, Red 7, Red 7! Don! What? Red 7! I don't know what Red 7 means. I call it the annexation of Puerto Rico. You don't think that lame-ass play where I run down the field and act like I'm lost is gonna work, do you? Booyah! That's what we call a sack lunch! Nom, 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 nom. Get me the ball. You need the ball. Get me the ball. Get me the ball. That's gonna make the fin difference between winning and losing! Welcome, welcome, wait, that sounded really squeaky. Let me try that again. Welcome in to another episode of 11 Personnel, talking Kentucky football. Nick Roush here with Adam Luckett as we, we really crawl, we're really crawling towards the spring practice, Adam Luckett. And the, the worst part is there's no end in sight. Yeah, no, uh, I don't think they've made an announcement yet, have they? No, no. Um, and the, and Kentucky's they're uh they're super late on rosters in general mm-hmm. and spring roster and spring uh, media guide is no different so and we're still having you know people leaving the program we just had another transfer this week two so and two. one happened on Saturday yeah 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 okay yeah so <laughs> two in the last four days or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, there's still uh, some roster attrition going on before you even get into spring ball. So there's still a lot of moving parts um, as we as we crawl to um, that practice date. But other SEC teams are starting to announce spring games, mm-hmm. stuff like that. I saw Hell, Tennessee announce their attendance. Alabama's today. like we're getting we're getting 100. percent We're filling up Brian Denny. Yeah, Alabama A and M and then Florida's AD came out and didn't say that in so many words but was like we're planning on getting there well so they had plans last year and they changed so i i at least enjoy that i'm glad they're giving us a little bit of optimism um a lot of that uh, that trying to sell tickets too oh definitely i mean it's 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 just turned march (laughs) yeah you know you've seen all the the season ticket push sales sales pitches going on but which, by the way, Kentucky season tickets available now. <laughs> right. So, obviously, that goes into it, but I do think there's at least a thought of that things are going to get back to normal. But like we just saw this past week, Kentucky had to take a pause for COVID. So, there's still right. some of that hanging around. And I think that's part of the reason why there's a delay is because, uh, you know, when some guys test positive, you – you might as well just wait another week. I mean, you're not in a hurry to play the spring game. Mm-hmm. There's no time limit. And typically, what's thrown it off even more, I didn't realize this until I started looking at the calendar. They used to want to get in their helmet practices before spring break. Because, like, let's be honest, those helmet practices, they're a freaking waste. You, you're basically just showing the new guys how you run practice. Now, yeah. it's a little bit different that you got a new OC in there, so there would be a little bit more learning. But there's no spring break this year. So, you know, uh, there's not going to be any break at all. And they can just kind of take their time, wait till everybody's healthy, and then uh, roll out that old pigskin. Yeah, you would think they're going to get going at some point this month, get the 15 in, and then play the spring game probably towards the end of April. I would guess would be the plan. But you don't know how this COVID pause is going to go and all that good stuff. But definitely could use some, some spring ball. Um, because the other sport's not doing all that no, hot. No, no, it's not, which uh, 
live producing on air next week uh typically when we drop this uh kentucky's going to be playing in a sec tournament game on a thursday it's just weird yeah. you know it's whenever the the teachers used to wheel in that 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 big old tv at saint saint rita you were never i wasn't watch kentucky play by god cats were playing on friday unless it was the, a ZA tournament yeah yeah so it's uh it's gonna be weird it's gonna be weird but I'm I'm still pumped for some daytime basketball and some crazy buzzer beaters. Yeah, the uh, I think the conference tournament will be as normal as it can be without fans in the stands um, because all the games are going on at the same time. It's going to be the kind of the same thing. But the NCAA tournament, it's going to throw me off. Yeah, the, the Monday, schedule. Right. Yeah, yeah the Friday through Monday. So that that's definitely going to be I think different and the bubble aspect of it where. Uh, like no one's going to be well, there. And especially in conference tournaments too, they weren't, you, you never had really great crowds at a lot of those games anyway. Um, yeah, most your, of them, right. I mean, if excluding, you know, Big East tournament at Madison Square Garden. You can't you even know. tell though, when you watch the games at Madison Square Garden, you'd hardly even see any fans just yeah. because of the way the arena's set up. Yeah, yeah. So that, that one, will, and it's dark in there, like they dim the lights, it seems like, and then mm-hmm. there's light on the court. Right, right. So that one you wouldn't notice, but like, there's certain ones you would notice, like SEC tournament. Obviously, we Kentucky's playing, but mm-hmm. you're right. Like the first night of the SEC tournament, yeah, it's no different. Like, there's no, there's no one there, so yeah. Um, but I will say too that I think this might be the first year we get ACC tournament, ACC network. So, I mean, I know you've got the three TV setup like it. You might need a quad setup for all the games that are going to be going on. Yeah, this is a it's one of my favorite weekends of the year for sure. Um, that and then it's a pretty good golf tournament going on too next week. So um, definitely need a lot. Definitely need a lot of TVs. The lucky, the lucky basement will be um, running um, high speed. Well, and enough of that other sport. Um, on to Kentucky football. Uh, as you alluded to at the start of the show, the biggest news over the weekend was uh, a couple of guys entering the portal: uh, Quay Mahone, Jamari Brown. Uh, Brown, uh, both guys who have played some and who have been, you know, you would say, eh, not bad uh, in their limited reps. I believe they're both in their third year, if I'm not mistaken, at UK. Richard, that just they're finished be, Rich- Yeah, they were going to be redshirt juniors this next year, but yeah, they're yes. finishing their third year at UK. Um, so Brown started the first two or three games of his, uh, the 2019 season. Right. And then I forget who, who, end up stepping into that role if it was Dort or might have been Dort yeah it was it was Dort him and Dort were kind of battling for that other corner spot mm-hmm. and then they I think they threw Mosley maybe over there for a little bit and it ended up being Dort by the end of the season while Eccles uh, held handled, down the other side the spot right uh and then Quay Mahone hadn't really heard his name at all until this year jumped up the depth chart surprisingly one day and then um did decently in the back half of the season uh playing in four or five games got a couple tackles here and there so uh lucky what what was your reaction when you heard the news to to each i I thought the timing was a little weird on them i mean spring ball is supposed to start at any point now if you were gonna go to the portal the time would have been maybe you know a few weeks ago to do it um but i'm not surprised that you know in the spring we're gonna have some Departures. When you look at corner, um, it would seem like Carrington Valentine beat out Jamari Brown. 
mm-hmm. near the end of the year. Got the start in the, the bowl game. Um, they even played Quandre Mosley at corner in the bowl game, I, I think, over him. I think Drew Phillips even got in some play in like the South Carolina game and some others. So yeah, so that that, that was that was definitely um, eye opening because he was a guy who you figured had a legit chance at some nice playing time. Mm-hmm. As far as Quay Mahone goes, it's really just I think a sign that the 2020 class, um, that D line haul they got, those guys are probably just gonna get. Um, more playing time than him, at least on the board. That's what it was seeming like. So that, that's part of the deal. Um, it was another South Florida um, guy that's out. Um, that's nine out of 14 kids in that 2017-2018 class that didn't finish at Kentucky. Another South Florida guy leaving? No way. Yeah. And then um, that 2018 class now has got um, some defections. You had, you know, Stanley Garner's out. Um, B.J. Alexander's out, Davion Hawkins out, Jamari Portal, Akeem Hayes, who left earlier, Quay Mahone. Also floated at this point until you right. mentioned Quay Mahone. <laughs> Dom Williams was that Juco kid um, mm-hmm. that didn't last very long, and then Ashton Pierre didn't qualify. Mm-hmm. Um, so you do have you know a pretty significant number in that class um, that is out, but that's also – like three years ago, that that number, Nick, would have been a concern. Like you, you losing seven guys from a class three, four years in. Um, but now, with the portal, you, you just kind of you know it's plug you and play type thing, right? right. Yeah. So it, it definitely creates a different type of um, tool in the in the roster roster construction um, activities that's going on over there in the football um, staff rooms. So I think it's a little different, but obviously um, it's something to monitor for sure. I do think that since you have so much flexibility with the portal that you know uh, Devonte ross is the perfect example of a guy that you can take a chance on because you know if, if, if these guys don't work out these low-rated recruits who you know just hey, we'll give them a shot if it, the number crunch might be more difficult early on but attrition is going to happen at a much higher clip than it did previously. Yeah, there's always been attrition, but it's just it's just higher than it, it was previously because everybody thinks the grass is going to be greener elsewhere. Well, it goes both ways too. Now it's easier for a coach to say, "Hey, you know, your position's kind of stacked. It's going to be hard for you to break in. Maybe you want to go into the portal." But at before, it was probably harder to have those conversations. Now the portal's kind of been. Um, a situation where they could jump in um, and really, you know, it really opens them up um, to get recruited and they can go different places. Now um, I'd like you said in some cases you have like with the Nick Scalzo situation where he, mm-hmm. he was in and then went back. So it's definitely, a, it's something we're like learning how to deal with and how, how do you, you know, evaluate everything with the portal? Cause I think it's stuff um, coaches and players themselves are still trying to figure out, but yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely just, I mean, it's free agency, bottom line. Nothing more. The, the one thing Freddie had on a lot of those SoFlo kids, they're doing well at, you know, your FI, all your directional Florida schools, which, like, you know what? Good for them. You know, they, they found a home, so good for them. Uh, yeah, best of I saw Chris them. Whitaker enter the portal again, or Chris Whitaker, um, who went to FIU and is now back in the portal, last I checked. So, oh, so yeah, there, there was definitely that. There was a name that I posted that 
it was Jacquees Cross. Remember Jacquees Cross? Yeah, he's back in the portal. He had been to like five different places because after UK, he did a JUCO stint. Uh, went to Akron. And actually, I think he sounded like he did decent at Akron. Yeah, uh, yeah. Then now they weren't very good, but he started for them, I'm pretty sure. And now he's looking for one more year because, you know, you got a six COVID year. So why the heck not? Yeah. And then like Danny Clark's like back in the portal. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Man, Danny Clark. I don't think he'll find another SEC school this time. So he's looking for his fourth school and yeah, as many probably, years. It's probably maybe, you know, he's probably looking at potentially FCS, low G5, I would say. I, w- I wouldn't even cons- think Maxion. I would consider that probably even too high. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no offense, Danny Clark. He probably should have stayed one more year junior college. He needed more tape, like just needed more tape. Yeah, needed more reps. Um, but, Right. Clark was definitely coming out even I, I thought he was very raw. There was obviously some attractive tools there, mm-hmm. um, but he was probably a guy that needed to get in a system and stay there and get developed. Um, so jumping around with different coaches, QB coaches, coordinators, schemes and whatnot. Um, and then Vandy, obviously, they just went through a coaching change. So obviously that probably wasn't the best thing for him. Speaking of portal and recruiting – uh, recruiting's heating up a little bit, Luckett. And I thought there was an interesting development on the quarterback front um, because a guy that Kentucky had offered not too long ago, Drew Alar, he picked up a Notre Dame offer. And is it weird, Luckett, that now we see that it's basically Kentucky and Notre Dame are all recruiting the same quarterbacks? Yeah, it is weird. Now, Alar, Steve Wilfong did, I believe, crystal ball him to Penn State today. Oh, that's so it's sounding like Penn State is going to get that kid. Um, so that's something to keep on. But yeah, I think you look at this class, you've got Gavin Wimsat. Um, Alar was obviously another one. Grant Bingham. Um, there's a linebacker um, from Nashville. Um, what's his name? It's escaping me right now. Uh, Patterson, something Patterson. Um, his top, his kind of top two look like to be Langston Patterson um, appear to be Kentucky and Notre Dame. So you got a you know a few guys just in this class that they're going head to head against. Uh, Emil Wagner's another one. Um, the tackle out of Dayton, uh, obviously my Wagner's, I believe, a little brother. So yeah, that that's looking like you know we've seen in the past where Kentucky's headbutted Tennessee a lot, mainly in that 2020 class. Um, and they've gone up against, you know, some other – Arkansas popped up a lot, and I believe, in that last class. Um, but – but and obviously they've had head-to-heads with Louisville and Michigan State and all that good stuff. But this is a new one. Like, this is a new one. It's something we brought up last week. Um, they're going to have a lot of head-to-head battles with Notre Dame. Um, and like to have some a good of, class, they're going to have to win the majority of those. And, and I think unlike some of the other – you know, there, there are a couple of those – uh, big time battles with Ohio State, where Kentucky was in the running for a while, but just eventually Ohio State's going to win out. I wonder, you know, y- y- you wonder what the, how that'll shake out at Notre Dame when they nationally recruit, and it, it's it's just a completely different aspect. Whereas Kentucky was trying to recruit Ohio guys away from Ohio State, that's much more difficult. Notre Dame, though, yeah, I mean th- they are Notre Dame. Um, fresh off a playoff appearance yeah they've been really good 
but it, they also don't have the same exact pool that a place like Ohio State has on kids right. from Ohio. Uh, so, and in fact, I mean, well, in Wimsat's case, you, 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 Kentucky's probably got more of the home state pool just because uh, you know, there's a ton of UK fans in Owensboro. UK was one of the first to recruit them, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Now, that, that, now Notre Dame pool is pretty big. You, talk, you go into the Midwest and some of these Catholic football factories, um, just like David Wollaball, who's in this class. Mm-hmm. He was up at one up in Ohio. There's, you know, all those schools in Cincinnati. I don't think it's as big here in Louisville and Kentucky, but in some of those Midwestern areas, that 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 does still matter. I mean, it gives them a lot of a pull there. Um, good thing for Kentucky, these guys are going after them. None of them are really at a school like that. Right, right, so right. So I think that certainly helps. But, yeah, and Notre Dame, Notre Dame, Notre Dame's a unique – um, a unique situation, um, obviously, with all the tradition, the academics and all that. But just like you said, they have to recruit nationally. Um, so they're not as deeply um, tied to some of these areas as Kentucky is. Like um, Wagner's High School, that Wayne in Dayton, mm-hmm. that's a school Kentucky recruits all the time. Yeah, They're in there every year. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, then you go to, you know, obviously in-state, Grant Bingham right in Kentucky's backyard. Um Gavin Wimsett, they've been recruiting for a long time, obviously. Um, so the little, so deeper ties to these kids. Um, so hopefully that that ends up paying off for them. There was um, something interesting. One of the guys that Gagan recently talked to, Daughtry Richardson. I don't think I've ever heard this before in a in a recruiting interview, but he admitted that yeah, I was going to commit to UK a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, Florida um, we, State. Florida State is having a really good class so far early in 2022. They got a couple of five stars on the board. Uh, he grew up a Florida State fan, as he admitted to KSR. Um, yeah, that they definitely turned the heat up on him, and that's one – obviously, that's not what you want to hear, you know. Right, right. And I do think in general, like, his – he got a ton of offers. You know, right. After he that. blew up. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, but it, it, I think it also helps that Wolford was recruiting him at yeah. South Carolina as well. So it's not yeah. like they, he was sparking up a new relationship yeah. or anything like that. Uh, but uh, that was something you don't hear often in a recruiting interview. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I can't even I, – I don't I don't ever remember that happening in a recruiting yeah. interview like it. Yeah, you just look at – um, yeah, that's – recruiting is uh, – you just know it's not boring for sure. Um, it definitely keeps you on your toes. But you look at off the tackle position – the athletics who's, who's diving all into the recruiting game had another big piece this week on Keontae Goodwin, um, whose recruitment has skyrocketed. Um, Emil Wagner, we just talked about. Um, Graham Bingham. Um, and then Dostachi Richardson, who's a top 500 recruit. They've got a lot of options there and tackle, a lot of good options. Um, you're not going to get all those guys, but get a couple of them. Um, Ryan Bayer's another one. A uh, high three-star kid um, in Ohio who who seems like they pretty much lead for. Mm-hmm. So there, there's a lot of good good options there. I think you feel confident about and about in the secondary. Man, you look at the secondary. You've already got Jeremiah Caldwell in the class. Got Travion Longmire down over at Belfry. Alex Safari at uh, Westchester up in the Cincinnati area. Big George. And then a couple. Him. Right, and then a couple Michigan kids. Miles um, Rouser. Um, it's a, kind of the big fish. He's kind of top 150 recruit um, there at Belleville, um, same high school as as Caldwell in the Detroit area. 
Which I think um, I think Kentucky is in a pretty good spot with that kid. Um, yeah, it, it, it's, that's it's what it sounds like. Here's um I've been digging into it a little bit. Um, in Michigan, like Michigan hired this, they got a new staff and they hired Maxwell Hairston's high school coach. Ah. He's 39 years old, played in the NFL. Um, so now they're really um, raking in in Michigan, um, tapping into his connections. Tayshawn Trent, who is Kentucky receiver target, he committed to Michigan today, Wednesday, March 3rd, as we record. Um, and they're, they're leaning for a lot of – you look at – if you pull up Michigan's top ten recruits, Michigan leads for a lot of those guys. They just want a recruit, uh, recruitment over Ohio State for a five-star kid, top ten prospect, um, number one guy in Michigan. But at, at this Bell at this Bell um, Bellevue Bell what, what's this it's Bellevue yeah. Bellevue okay they don't have a good they have a very bad relationship with Michigan I'm not sure why I'm not sure what happened I think a couple kids maybe went there and didn't turn out so well so these these kids um, don't go to Michigan Harbaugh just soured on them right for whatever reason he forced oh. them all to wear khakis and their denim <laughs> maybe so so that that takes a big fish away. And that, that, that school's got three kids in this class. Um, when you look at Caldwell, you look at Rouser, and then Christian Rapley. And I believe Christian Rapley, I believe his dad's the coach, his dad or uncle. Um, so those, those are all big Kentucky, prospect, or Kentucky prospects in this class and all pretty highly ranked guys, and they got a chance at all three of those guys. Um, and then you take in consideration Penn State, that area heavily. The guy who recruited the area is now Tennessee's defensive coordinator. Um, and so – so now he's had now he's in the middle of a class. He's having to you know transition his what his selling point would be, and he doesn't know if it fit or whatnot. If they're on offense, defense, all that all that stuff you have to consider. So Kentucky's got a chance there at, at that high school, Bellevue, to really really uh, make some hay up there in Detroit, and uh, really could end up being a huge class for Steve Klink's skill. And that that you don't need Michigan to be a constant but every other year i mean because like you look at the hit rate so far kentucky has for michigan it's been pretty good yeah absolutely and so being able to keep that steady it doesn't need to be a lot but if you're just hitting a couple here and there uh that that, that's significant that's incredibly significant and important to keeping this thing uh and they've all been highly ranked kids too Mm -hmm. you look at mccall was up there rogers obviously Square was a high three star, and Sanders was a high three star. Um, so it's not like they're recruiting the bottom of the you know mm-hmm. the barrel there on Michigan. I think Buford was a four star in twenty. Yeah, he was borderline four three. He was up there in the top five, top four hundred, I think. So yeah, it's um, it's it's an area that's treated them well, and they're they're back in it again this year. And obviously, Michigan is you know doing some damage, but there's this one place that they found kind of a soft spot and it could, you know, end up being huge for them um, in this specific 2021 class or 2022. I'm already getting the years mixed up. <laughs> you you did bring up a couple of those Michigan guys. And I, I actually spoke to Brad White. That interview is on my radio show podcast over uh, at Kentucky Roll Call. And, you know, obviously m- m- Coach White, the UK defense coordinator, big on DeAndre Square, who's just been steady for so long. But he had some interesting comments on bully that, you know, not only just like how, you know, he, he started to, he really started showing his power last year and he was able to stay on the field more, but he said that ever since they returned uh, for the spring, that 
he's he knows it's his team now. It was essentially what White said. Like it's Q's gone, and now he's got to be the guy in the middle, and he's really uh, taking that to heart. And if we're going to be honest, maturity was always his biggest weakness. Um, you know, that's it's not to take a shot at the kid, but. You know, he liked to have a good time. He was a, he was a fun kid, but he's really taking things seriously now. I think that's a significant development. And in a with, with a lot of young talent in that room, it's important that they keep that established culture that they had with a, a ton of upperclassmen in the room last year. Yeah, I think you you hit on McCall there, kind of being the senior guy in the room. Um, and with some of these departures, there is going to be thing like this Kentucky defense kind of going to take a step back and whatnot. Now, while I do have depth concerns in a couple areas, the reason I don't think that's going to be the case is because you look at three levels, really four four levels. You got, you know, D-line, the outside linebackers, inside linebackers, secondary. You've got, you know, a senior, a really good senior at all those places. You got Pascal on the D-line. You got Wright outside on the edge. You got Square and inside linebacker. And then you got Corker and Tyrell Asian back mm-hmm. there at both safety spots. And then you're throwing in Devontae Robinson, who's a six-year guy, too, um, somewhere there in the mix. And Cedric Dortz, a senior who started uh, a handful of games. So I think there's a good blend there. I really do of experienced guys, guys that have the potential to be draft picks slash all-SEC type performers this next year. And then you got the young guys who have a lot of promise. Obviously, that D-line crop. Um, you look at Carrington Valentine. He was able to break in as a freshman. Vito Tisdale has got a world of potential. Um, obviously, J.J. Weaver's still kind of young there at outside linebacker. And then we'll see, you know, Derek, Derek Jackson's getting some buzz there at Mike. Mm-hmm. That's a guy that can maybe make a splash this season. Mm-hmm. So, I, I think it, I think they got a nice blend there. Um, now, they, they've got questions they got to answer and all that. But but I, I know people are, you know, that's going to be like, I think, a talking point here regarding the defense where they're at. But I, I just think it's a, that's the perfect kind of blend you want. Um, and I think it's – it's going to be another really good defense for Kentucky. One other thing that he mentioned that I thought was noteworthy is that when, you know, when I asked him about Trevin Wallace, obviously he's going to give coach speak to a degree. Um, but, you know, he, he noted that he's a great athlete who played a lot on the outside. And I think this spring, seeing where Luke Fulton fits, seeing how well Justice Dingle plays on that edge, is going to determine if they throw Trevin right in at Mike and have him just start there, or if they say, you know what, this dude's a crazy athlete. Uh, we we can just cut him loose on the edge. Um, and I know it's a tough spot to learn, but if, you know, if KD McDaniel, I know you were how that guy, but if that dude doesn't turn up, I mean, he he's played, what, five games? So Yeah, I mean, this is know, it's a big year for him. He's yeah. Frankfurt McDaniel. So if depending on what the other guys do, they might just turn Trevin Wallace loose on on the edge and say, "Go get him." Um, yeah, he's that good of an athlete. Yeah, I also get into like you look at the secondary, okay, specifically that safety position. You've got Asian and Corker. Like you're not taking those guys off the field, but then you've got Tisdale and Devontae Robinson. So if I'm sitting there as a defense coordinator, I'm like, how do I like these are four of my best eleven probably. Uh-huh. How do I get all four on the field? And then that's when you get maybe some creative stuff where you probably play – you would play like Devontae Robinson or Tisdale as kind of like a sand linebacker. Um, yeah. 
Yeah. Maybe as a rover, maybe use them as a blitzer in different spaces. <laughs> that's where they had Tisdale in the depth chart for the bowl game. Was it Sam right. linebacker? Yeah. So that's definitely like, that's what I wonder. Maybe they just don't, you know, that edge position. Maybe it's just not, you take advantage of the numbers you have on just the D line. And then you, maybe you just play one of them. Um, and then you figure it out with, you know, these secondary guys, you just throw, you know, five, six DBs out there for most of the, most of the time while you're on mm-hmm. the field. So there's definitely, um, I think, some tinkering that we could see Brad White do this year um, that I think could be potentially exciting if he can find some answers. Um, because there's definitely, like, I just, I keep getting back to that point. I was, I don't know how you run this defense without probably, if you, if we get Devon, healthy Devontae Robinson back, I don't see how you keep Tisdale and him off the field. Yeah. Yeah. For the majority but, of the snaps. I mean, and the way that Tisdale, I mean, <laughs> he had such a, explosive year in such a limited capacity like you gotta you just gotta find a way to get him on the field there, there's there's no way around it so yeah. uh but we'll get into more of that the, the plan is to preview spring practice next week have it just big knock down drag them out go through players we want to watch storylines etc cetera, etc cetera. so we're going to keep this one a little bit shorter but uh like you did want to get to uh a coach's or no, excuse me, not a coach's ranking, a ranking of coaching jobs in the SEC. This is really just what I wanted to get here is just kind of the value Kentucky's job has right now in the current market, I think. Um, Andy Staples on his podcast, Andy Staples is um, lead college football national writer for the Athletics. He has Ari Wasserman, who's like their recruiting guru over there at the Athletic, and they've just been ranking, you know, they go through the conference and rank, give their rankings for the best job. Um, now Wasserman got on there and he had Kentucky, I believe fourth as the best job. Um, where Staples had them as eighth. Met but even, fifth. Right. But even Staples having them at eight, I think um, is something we really, really need to take note of. Number one, I think Kentucky is cashed in on the SEC network money as well as anyone in the league mm-hmm. um, with timing it up to go out and get a coach, really pay for him, um, to invest in him, to grow with him, to, you know, invest money and in giving the stadium a much needed facelift, building a big Mac daddy football facility um, where you have an actual work. Now you have it and you get in that facelift, you get a recruiting room. That's really nice and all that stuff. So, I think they've really done a good job going all in. And the contract with Stoops was, uh, you know, it ended up being a masterpiece. There was a time there where it looked like it was going to be a train wreck, but it ended up being a masterpiece. And it, they just done some really good things well. Now, I also think Stoops has done some good – he's checked a lot of boxes. Well, um, and he, he helped get some of that money right. in there to get the facilities. Um, in addition to wins and recruiting a, a, a different landscape. Yeah, because I, I think what the Snoops era has taught us is Kentucky's had a home recruiting base this entire time. They just haven't been able to cash in on it. At least um, regularly. There, there's yeah. been spots here and there. Uh, you know, the early two – Mummy recruited Ohio some. I think there was a little bit uh, in Freddie's era of some Ohio guys, but it's never been a steady – and, and it's also never been hit as hard as Stoops has hit it, you know? Yeah. Well, yeah, it's really, you know, it's at home and kind of protecting, you know, your borders like every coach does. It has helped that Louisville's come in 
It really hasn't challenged them with the new staff at all. And that they've had three different head coaches in Stoops' time since he's been here. So that's a lot of turnover. Um, obviously Ohio, but then also getting into Michigan. And, like, you can sell the SEC brand up to these schools, um, and you're really not recruiting against SEC competition up there. Well, everybody else is down in Georgia, Florida, Alabama, Tennessee, and, te- and Texas now. Um, they're all button heads where Kentucky's up there kind of recruiting against Michigan States and Michigan every once in a while and Penn States, Notre Dame's like we talked about. I think that's that's helped them. Um, and then it's also just been – they've just been – I think they've been – I have to credit them. I think they've been really smart this whole um, – since – the Joker era ended until now, but with, with every move, it's been really kind of a smart move. Um, they've stayed patient when they needed to stay patient. Um, they've given raises when they needed to give raises. And it's put Kentucky in a spot now, Nick, where you look in the last, I think, three, three years, three or three or four years, um, the teams with the most wins in the SEC, it's, it's Alabama, it's LSU, all right, it's Alabama, LSU, Georgia, Florida, and then Kentucky's right there. Like they've got more wins than Auburn in that time. They've got more wins than Tennessee in that time. Um, down the list, um, and then just that three-year window I'm talking about. Um, so, like, I just I think you know we need to realize how how good this is right now. Like, I think Kentucky right now you you can say it's a better job than almost half of the SEC, which is really kind of crazy. And on this list too, that I mean, it's a better job than A and M, according to these guys, which is yeah, bonkers to think, especially about how crazy Texas football is, the twelfth man, the money that they have there. Yeah, it's it's pretty wild that there are people who do this for a living that share that opinion, and yeah. I think it also uh, it's it's got to make a lot of those longtime football guys, you know, who had season tickets forever and ever for bad teams who just swore up and down that if Kentucky made the right investments, I mean, they're just saying, I told you so, so much right now. Yeah. <laughs> the only thing I would say with that is there, there is a caveat to that. I think that SEC network has changed um, everything. I'm going to call it just that. Well, not necessarily that, just the modern also college football. New Year's six and all yeah. the money, you know, how much money, right. How much money is involved now? Now Kentucky can pay their coach four and a, four and a half, $5 million. And they're like, just, you know, it's a seven or eight, you know, you've got mm-hmm. great job security. Um, you know, it's not like, there's not a lot of pressure. Um, if you, as long as you're winning, you know, seven, eight games, that's what we ask for here where, other places you could be in a pressure cooker. Like Auburn, you can win at Auburn and you're going to get fired. Like you're going to win a national championship at Auburn and you're going to get fired. Like yeah. you take that job knowing like I might have, I'm going to have a good year. I'm probably going to have a bad year. Everything else will be in between, but I'll probably end up getting me, getting fired. Coaching in Auburn is waking up every day and thinking, oh, today's the day I could walk, take a step out on the street and get hit by a bus. Like that's the yeah. way that an Auburn coach has to live. It's like it's like I don't know, like selling houses, but you're in the middle where you know the, the market's going to crash eventually one day. Like there's nothing you can do about it. You get, a couple of days you're going to hit, you're going to sell a bunch of houses, but then the next you're not going to sell a house for, you know, six, seven, eight months. It's just it's it's a very volatile mm-hmm. job for a multitude of reasons. But I just think like 
there, there's a Kentucky's got a, the best perception I think nationally they've ever had as a football program right now. Yeah, because they're looked at as you know like these uh, an overachiever um, in in the league that's there that's kind of plucky in a um, scrappy little underdog. You know, it, yeah, yeah. Well, the one thing they've done all this without a quarterback too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which so like that's that's the one that's yeah. the one thing I think we're holding out hope for is like if they can ever just get a quarter, just what does it look like? What does Mark Man. Stoops, Kentucky look like with a good quarterback? Okay. If Gavin Wimsett is who we think he can be, and there's going to be a lot of pressure on that kid. Yeah. A ton. But if he, if, if he's as good as we think he can be, I'm sky's the limit. Sky's the limit. So, uh, if he is that guy, the the one thing I do like about him too is that he is uh, pretty reserved until you start talking to him. And when you talk to him about his recruitment, he's pretty reserved about it. If you talk to him about a game, he's happy to talk about his teammates getting open, all that stuff. So I, I at least like uh, the, the first test check. Uh, he also ha- makes some pretty damn good throws. But you know, we, we've seen plenty of guys uh, play <laughs> make good throws in high school. Quarterback is is a uh, is a whole different thing, but if you can hit on one, and if, if this is a guy they hit on, uh, man, talk about a game changer. Yeah, I today like Wimsett's a top hundred recruit, whatever. I today I went and looked up Trevor Lawrence's class, and just kind of scribbled down um, the top hundred kids. Like Trevor Lawrence and Justin Field were obviously three and done. JT Daniels had to transfer. Joey Gatewood had to transfer. Matt Corral took him a while to break through. Um, Jerem Williams. We know what happened there. Yeah. Um, Phil Jerkovich went from Notre Dame to Boston College, and Emory Jones is at Florida. He's Never just now going to – yeah, he's breaking it. Like, we're going to see next year what he is. Um, and then Jacob Sturman was at Washington. He just transferred to Central Michigan. So, like, like the, 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 the quarterback, it's a crapshoot. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, you know, I, Wimsett's a big deal. The recruitment's huge. It's going to be very highly, you know, celebrated. Um, when he commits, when or if slash if he commits. Um, but I think it's important to remember that, you know, you, that recruiting that, that position never stops. Like, I, you know, you're to the point where, especially with the portal, you should be adding two new quarterbacks every year, whether it's two high school kids or one-on-one, one high school kid. One, right, Levis, the guy from Penn State. So you got two with Sharon and Levis in this last class. Um, but, yeah, you know, the quarterback, it's – it's still, I still think that that thing's a crapshoot. So you know, you got to keep. That's why you got to keep one dice. Eventually, Shooting you know, you roll that, you roll that lucky seven. You know, <laughs> you roll that seven and eleven, oh, right? Man. You big craps guy in Vegas, or you? Yeah. Is that your game of the choice? first time I went? First time I went to Vegas. It was my first time ever playing craps, and I I, I left the table with like two G's. Oh, nice. Yeah, I've. I've only played once and I had, it was one of those things all, where yeah, like people were like, I had friends who were coaching me up. They're like, here, we'll just mm-hmm. pull our money together. You be at the table. You'll be our good luck charm. And we'll kind of, we'll kind of coach you through it. And it was, I had a blast. We made money. It's fun. It's the most fun game to play, but you can like, you can lose fast. Oh, and you got to have a lot to play too. It's yeah. not like, you're yeah. not just walking up to $5 blackjack tables and you know. Right. You're Yeah. But then once you, <laughs> See, I went up, I lost 60 right quick, but my brother and his girlfriend were, they were raking it in. So I was like, let me, I will play this, you know, I'll try it a little bit. So I threw like a hundred down. Next thing you know, I'm up a hundred. 
then I'm up a couple hundred. Then I look around, we're all at like five, six hundred dollars. And so we play, I play that from probably 10 p.m. to like 6.30 a.m. <laughs> and they, they switched out like diet, you know, you know, oh, people yeah. at the table. Pit bosses came in, pit boss's boss came in, pit boss's boss's boss came over to our table. Oh, and they man. could like because everybody at that table won a crap ton of money. <laughs> um, so that that was that was no a pun fu- intended. Yeah, no fun. No, no pun intended. But that was it's a uh, I don't know I don't know I, the rest of my life I'll probably go to Vegas. I don't know if I ever have as much fun as I have at night at that crap table. You know what else is crap shoot like it is is betting college basketball. This mm-hmm. I, I I you know I, I cashed out a little bit of what I made in bowl season, but now that March is coming up, I get that itch. And the thing is, is you just don't know what team's going to show up. You try to pick your right spots, but you also have your like. I sh- I knew that Illinois was in a good spot because everybody was kissing kissing Michigan's tail. But Illinois, I, I they had beat me twice in a row. I'm not going to try that three times in a row. Like you know, fool me yeah. once, to, and but of course they beat their brakes off. So. March Madness at conference tournaments are going to roll around and you're just going to want to sprinkle and throw it all over the place. And it's going to be gone before you know it. I'm trying to, um, I, cause Auburn was one that hit a couple years ago, like a long shot to win their conference tournament where you can get like eight to nine, 10 to one odds. I'm trying to fish around cause I think it's going to happen somewhere this year. Um, especially being a weird year. Ooh, ACC is prime. It's right yeah. for that. Like I see the- like, like Texas Tech in the Big Twelve, like they're really good, and I they could they could go on a run. Get hot at the right time, right? Yeah. So that's one I'm looking at. Yeah, ACC. It's just picking the team in ACC who would I think like obviously North Carolina would be, you know, a pick in a regular year if it was that you know they have fans and could go to Greensboro or whatnot. Right. Um, and then there's a lot of good teams in the Big Ten that you can maybe get value on. Yeah. I'm I'm looking forward to it though. It's not the same as the SEC on CBS music, but the March Madness music. It it's it, yeah. It's it hard to beat. It's hard to beat. Uh, just the game's on all day. Right, right. And the stakes, the stakes of it. Of well, it they're gonna be high. They're gonna be awfully high. Uh, and I'm I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to getting together again next week. But it's time for us to say so long. Farewell. We gotta get Not a goodbye, but see you later. Yeah. Alligator, after Wolf, Crocodile. I'm all out of goodbye, bad idioms. But uh, we will be back. We appreciate you listening to 11 Personnel. As always, subscribe. Hasta la vista. Great review. Go Cats. And go Kroger. <laughs>